0: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
1: What a Friday night. What a weekend it's going to be. We got the Yankees and the Rays getting ready for game five. Looks like the NBA Finals probably going to wrap up. And oh yeah, week five across the board in the National Football League. Let's welcome in our buddy from the morning after, Jared Smith over at Sports Grid. He joins us. For yet another football Friday, Smitty, what's happening, brother? How you doing? JJ, we live to fight another day on the diamond. I, I mean, it, it, was an, it
0: was a spirited performance by the Yankees tonight. You got to give credit to the bullpen. You got to give credit to Monty. And we've got playoff baseball in the betting crosshairs on a Friday night.
1: Can't really ask for much better than oh, that. I love it. I now, listen, it's going to be edgy. You see the excitement. It's going to come down to the wire from a Vegas sense. What did you think the opening line was going to be? And are you surprised now seeing the Yankees favor anywhere from 145, 150, depending on where you can get it?
0: I don't think I'm surprised. I mean, this was about what the price was in game one. The Yankees were laying, you know, 40, 50, 60 cents on the money line, depending on where you did your shopping. I think it's a fair price. I think the big difference here, JJ, unlike in game one, where you have a very set pitching matchup, you know, Snell Cole here we're going to get glass now call and obviously glass now pitching game two. He's on two days rest. You're not going to have the same set, you know, sequencing for the Rays. It's going to be a helter skelter situation. So you are betting into an unknown, but you also are betting into what the Yankees strength is, which is obviously Garrett Cole in a game five. I mean, if you ask the Yankees fan before this series, before this season started, what's your ideal situation? It's, I want the ball in Garrett Cole's hands in a do or die game. So I think minus 150 in in that range, I think, is where it'll open, where it'll close in a lot of books around the country. And and I think that's a very fair price. And I think you're really betting on can this raised bullpen hold up over what's going to be. Uh, you know, a, a all hands on deck kind of game, whereas the Yankees have a guy who can, you know, legitimately go eight or nine innings if he's really on. So I think it's it's a definite advantage for the Yankees. The irony is here, JJ, I think if this game was played in the regular season, this would be minus 170 or minus 180 for Garrett Cole. I, I really do. So I, I think you are getting a little bit of value on the Yanks if you can get him at minus 150, or if you can even get him lower than that, If there's a if there's a book that's even braver. But here on the East Coast, I don't think you're going to find anything cheaper than 50 cents.
1: And I would bet, Jared, that that line will only go up as Absolutely. we move close to the first pitch. I can't see that line dipping below 150. I'd be shocked.
0: I think actually tomorrow when we wake up, I'd be willing to bet on the East Coast books it's in the 60 or 70 range. I just, you're, you're 100% right. There's, there's no narrative that's going to fit Tampa Bay winning that game, which means the public money, especially here on the East Coast books, which, as we've discussed, are always shaded a little bit towards the pinstripes. It, it's just that line has only one direction to go.
1: Okay, Jared, let's get to week five across the board in the NFL. Let's start with this Thursday night game. And Mm. I had it on the second TV, really dialed in second half, and it was all sorts of nutty. I mean, some of the crazy coaching decisions from the fourth and one, Arians deciding to kick the field goal and take the lead, not going for the jugular. The Bears punting on fourth and eight. And then how about the Bears? It works out for them. They got a chance to bleed down the clock. And you have uh, Matt Nagy calling a throwing play and and having Nick Foles throw the football. I mean, I'm watching that live. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then, of course, you compound it with Tom Brady not knowing what down it is. I don't care. What (laughs) in the world Bruce Arians told you after the game, Tom Brady thought that was a third down play. No ifs, no ends, no buts. But all in all, Smitty, as I go on this little diatribe here, (laughs) it was a nutty game, but it was finally a game in which, dude, We saw a sharp money play. The Bears and the under find a way to hit.
0: It was surprising, too, because that second quarter, you thought the over was c- cashing for sure. I mean, all of a sudden, Foles got locked in. That looked like Super Bowl Foles for a minute. He hit Patterson on that little wheel route. He had a few wheel routes in that game. Tampa Bay looked a little bit susceptible uh, to that, you know, end around kind of wheel route around the, uh, around the sideline there. They had a couple, of, a couple of big plays there, especially late. I, listen, I mean, you get Tom Brady in a, in a late spot. Where he had a minute 17 to go, and it did work out for the Bears, but that was a dangerous throw on second down that you, you mentioned by Nagy there, you know, and it, he almost caught it Robinson on the sideline. I thought Carlton Davis played a really inspired game uh, on, on, on the outside shadowing Allen Robinson all day. This Bucks defense is really good. Obviously not Brady's best performance, kind of a J.R. Smith moment there at the end of the game when he was holding up the four finger. I mean, you, you don't see that from Brady very often, but this kind of, it felt like a Thursday night game. JJ, I mean it did. It felt like that sloppy, you know, mistakes and and both of these teams too. And Tampa Bay, if they want to win a Super Bowl or, or compete, they got to clean up the penalties. They're one of the most penalized teams in the league, and that kind of reminds me of what Todd Bowles' Jets teams used to be like, which is ironic here with the defensive coordinator of the Bucks now. But very aggressive Tampa Bay defense. They played well at times, but Nick Foles made the big throws in in two or three big moments in this game. He had to make two or three throws, and he made all of them, and that's why the Bears won.
1: As far as what we've seen in the first four weeks of the year, Jared, I know you had a good hit on this with Ariel Epstein over at Sports Grid. A lot of these short plays, now the Bears are probably not a good example because mm. they found a way to win. Of course, they found a way to cover. But in general, a lot of these square plays have been hitting left and right, left and right, left and right. you have any rationale for why the short money has just been taking a flat-out beating so far this year?
0: I mean, it could be randomness. A four-week sample size is not enough to really make a definitive trend. I will say this. As usual, remember we had that one week where it was 13-1 and favorites straight up won, but only seven of them covered against the number, which means six teams won the game and didn't cover the spread. That was such an anomaly, J.J., and the, the, the trends point to that. 80% 80% of the teams that win the game cover the spread, including tonight with the Bears. So I, I think it, that was a weird week. I think that was two weeks ago. And then last week, it just it felt like every single time the line was moving against the team that was getting the most money, i.e. Seattle, Miami. All the money coming in on Seattle, line moving towards Miami. Green Bay, Atlanta. I mean, uh, yeah, Green Bay, Atlanta. All the money moving towards Green Bay, yet the line pushing in Atlanta's favor, it felt like those sharp sides were getting killed and, and, and they were, but again, four week sample size. My guess is this could have been a shot across the bow tonight. Sharp dog wins outright and under hits despite a pretty, you know, eventful first half with 27 points. So I, I think overall, it's hard to say there's a definitive trend pointing against the sharp money, but I would definitely be weary because usually for us, it's simple. We see the reverse line movement. That's the side we're going to play. I don't think it's that simple anymore. I think that can be part of your handicap, kind of like the weather a little bit sometimes. You always want to know what the weather is. Is it raining? Is it windy? But that's not always going to factor into your final decision. But it's definitely something in your arsenal. So keep it in the back of your mind, but also know that it hasn't been as definable of a trend, the reverse line movement being being a, you know, a victorious trend as in years past.
1: Our buddy Jared Smith over at Sports Grid, joins us here on The Fan. All right, Jared. I think this is the ideal week to tease games. Now, look, I mean, it's a weird week. You have the Broncos and the Patriots now, hopefully playing on Monday. Hopefully Buffalo and Tennessee will play on Tuesday. So we don't have the full arsenal to deal with, but I see so many favorites this week. Favorite anywhere in that like seven, eight, nine range. The Steelers are in that range. The Cardinals are in that range. The Cowboys are in that range. Seattle and New Orleans are in that range. The Rams are in that range. Is this, in your opinion, a great week to get after it with a two or three TMTs?
0: Yeah, I, I thought last week was good, too. I mean, we hit that one with the Ravens and the Rams, and we, we kind of got a little lucky there at the end with the, with the uh, Rams getting that late touchdown. But I think that was a kind of pushing the narrative forward of what I'm seeing with some of these, especially the home favorites. And I know that sounds kind of crazy because there's no home field advantage, but that could be pushing the line down just enough to where the home team maybe isn't laying as much as they normally would. And that's allowing them to cover the number. And I think the home favorites of over four and a half points is where I've seen the most, the, the most bullish kind of movement. So home favorites of four and a half or more through the first four weeks of the season, JJ, covering it 63%. Wow. To put that in perspective last four years, 2015 through 2019 first four weeks of the season. Home favorites, four and a half or more, covering at 45% against the number. An 18% difference between this year and the last four years. And that, and that to me, that shows maybe traveling is kind of having an effect on these teams a little bit. The protocols, all the stresses of dealing with that. And I think the numbers, because there's no definitive home field advantage, you're getting more of a neutral sight line at a lot of these home favorites. Maybe instead of favored by 10, they're favored by 7 or 8. And that can make the difference. Now, this week, you've got a lot of home favorites of over four and a half or more. You mentioned a couple of them. you got the Texans. you got the Chiefs, Steelers, Ravens, Niners, Cowboys, Seahawks. I'd be willing to bet five, six of those teams all cover the number this week. I think the Steelers have some some interesting value. Eagles coming off of that win. Tough spot for them. I love the Niners against the Dolphins this week. Really tough spot uh, for the Dolphins. Seattle's an interesting one because of their defense. I think Minnesota's going to run the ball a lot in that game and try to set the tempo. That maybe is the one I'd stay away from. But I would say Chiefs, Steelers, Ravens, Niners, I think those are all go zones for me, for a,
1: a good, good teaser spot for all those. Let me get your take on the Jets. We know they're as bad as can be. They're going to Joe yeah. Flacco, a quarterback. But explain this to me, Jared. This line opened at 8.5. Why in the world is it down to 7?
0: I mean, I think it's just the, the, the way that the money is moving. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, I can't see any definitive reason why. I mean, I wish I could point to a reason why the movement is going against the Cardinals. It, it really is a bad spot for the Jets. I mean, it, it, like there's really no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, you're not going to trust Flacco in this spot. And I think Kyler Murray, who played one of his, you know, I don't want to say worst games this season last week. I think the Panthers' defense, a little underrated, especially up front. They really held him in check. And... In a normal situation, I say he breaks out this week, but you never know. East Coast, the the West to East Coast 1 o'clock games can be a little bit tricky sometimes. Uh, I don't have Kyler's record in those games or Kingsbury's record in those games offhand, but I'd be curious to look at that before I make any decision. I I, I think this is a perfect – I think this is another good spot for a a tease. I I, I do. I I think if you take a NFC West tease, Niners, Cardinals, I mean, I, I can't see the Jets winning this game. But they could certainly keep it close. And and that seven-point number certainly is the key number. So if you can get it on the north side of that, I think that's the way
1: to do it. Let's get to the Giants. They have been a brutal offensive team. Statistically speaking, they've been the worst offensive team in the league. But they get the perfect defense to go against in what should be, at the very least, the get-right spot for the Giant offense. That line with the Giants and the Cowboys opened at 11 Now, I think it's at a far more reasonable number, eight and a half, nine. Jared, from what I've seen with the Cowboys this year, there's no way in the world I'm laying that number. No, thank you. Yeah, you can't lay in a divisional game.
0: I don't care how bad the Giants have looked. And when I look at the Giants' offense, I see a lot of red. When I look at their defense, honestly, JJ, I mean, I I can't really fault the defense for, for the, for the slow start. I mean, they, they went to LA last week and they held a very good Rams offense pretty much down for the majority of that game. Uh, obviously offensively, Daniel Jones has to hold on to the football. He has to be more efficient and that's the only way they're going to win this game. The Cowboys defense is just, I mean, what, what, what Cleveland did last week was, was impressive, but also you have to take it with, you know, you kind of have to look at it through a different lens. Uh, they're, they're the last, they're the second-to-worst team in stopping the run this week. But unfortunately, obviously, the Giants don't have a guy like Saquon Barkley. But they have a couple of other guys who can run it. And I'm curious if this is the week Devontae Freeman gets going. You know, maybe this is the week Wayne Gallman gets going, if you want to look to them in some of the prop markets, because the, the, the Cowboys cannot stop the run. Meanwhile, the Giants can very well, actually. They're top ten units stopping the run. They're top ten stopping the pass, too. So if someone can slow down this Cowboys offense, which is bad as their defense has been, Dallas offense has been fairly respectable. They're third in yards per play. I I think that's where you look to this game. I I just, the Giants have to put up more than what do they score? 10 points, nine points. They've got to score a couple of touchdowns in this game because that kind of offensive performance is not going to get it done. I think they should have a little more success, especially on the ground this week. Maybe that can get the tempo of the offense for Daniel Jones going, has a little success on early downs running the football, but New York's offense has to put both the New York offense have to play better, especially the Giants.
1: Smitty, I can't believe I'm bringing this game up, but I look at these sort of spots all the time and I usually circle them and they're automatic plays for me. You have the Houston Texans who are 0-4 mm. on the year, who just fired the head coach. And look, I'm not saying the Texans are turning this season around. I'm not saying the Texans are going to go on some sort of a run, but I do believe in the short term, there is a bounce. It, it reminds me of, you know, a political convention and what sure. you see with polling. Uh, we saw it with Dan Campbell and the Miami Dolphins a couple of years ago where he won back-to-back games. Can you see that sort of impact taking shape here with Houston? 0-4, hated O'Brien, playing for a week or two with Romeo Cornell, and I think they got the right team to go and get angry against because Jacksonville is not any good.
0: No, they're not. I mean, they, they, do, they, they do give a little bit of flair offensively, and, and Houston's defense has played bad. That's the matchup thing that scares me about this game. You mentioned the bounce back. I thought the exact same thing. In fact, I think in the NBA, it's really prevalent. And I think in the NBA, the day after you get fired, the head coach, the team just plays better. I, I, I looked up the numbers. It's, it's the opposite. So here you go. Since 2000, teams that replaced head coaches midseason, 14 and 22 against the number in their first game with the new head coach.
1: Wow. I, that is, I, that is way worse than I ever could I have imagined. Agreed. Way worse. narrative does not
0: fit what you think. You're right. I agree with you. I, I, I thought the same thing. I thought this is a great spot for the Texans this week. And I'll even take it one step further. I think the AFC South is still up for great. I mean, I know 0-4 is bad, but you're going to get a juicy nugget on, on the Texans. And, and if, if there's any spark at all, with the Titans situation and with the Colts, still good, but not proven yet. You know, they're still figuring things out with Rivers. I thought it would be a good number to maybe buy low on the Texans in the futures market. I haven't seen that number yet. But I, I think there's a, there's a decent chance here that they play better. But, again, they're laying, you know, over a field goal to a divisional opponent. And this is a team, I mean, what power ratings in the country are going to have – the Texans laying to anybody right now, they're all in four ATS. They're one of the worst rushing defenses in the league. They've looked absolutely abysmal. So I, I think the, the, the narrative fits what we're thinking, but I, I, I find it really hard to back this Texans team this week until I, now I'll say this, if they play better this week, I'd be willing to back them maybe next week or in the futures market. But I think as a better, I need to see something first because the trend doesn't immediately point me to the Texans this week. The trend says, it's maybe a bit of a false narrative.
1: So I want to see it with my own eyes first. All right, Smitty, now it's time, my friend. Best bets for week five. You've thrown out a whole lot of interesting nuggets, but what will be on your card? All right, this is, we we haven't talked about this
0: game, but I love this spot, and you you missed the line move, I missed it too, but it really jumped over that key number of three, but I think Carolina is ripe for a big-time performance, and they go to Atlanta this week, Atlanta's licking their wounds from Monday night, I, I, I think Dan Quinn is literally on his last breath, and this Carolina team, I know Arizona struggled coming east a little bit last week, but this is a... This is a defense now that's becoming formidable. They're front seven. They got the, you know, the first-round kid, Derek Brown, up there in the middle. This is a team that held Kyler Murray to one of his worst passing yards per attempt game of the season. And you're still getting points with this Carolina team. I don't think Atlanta should be laying to anybody right now. I don't care where they play the game. That's my best bet of the week. Panthers, you want to play in plus one and a half, that's fine. Sprinkle on the money line, too. I think that's good. It doesn't really matter which way because there's not getting a lot of points there. I also really like the Niners this week. I think that's going to be on my card as well. And I'm going to play that tease, Niners and Cardinals, a little NFC West tease for me. So Panthers, Niners and Cardinals, I think are the three sides I'm really looking at this week.
1: I like that we're on the same page here with these teasers. I'm not saying I'll be throwing San Fran in as mine because, listen, there's some rooting (laughs) interests. Although, to be honest, Jared, my number one rooting interest with the Miami Dolphins is getting two on the field. I mean, to be honest, dude, that's my number one rooting interest before, you know, it comes down to wins and losses. Get that guy on the field. What's the over-under for him coming in? Week 8? I think the Jets Dolphins guy? are going to be insanely patient, dude. I, I really do. I think they're going to make sure everything is physically right with him. They're going to make sure that he has a great you know, grasp of what they're looking to do in the offense. I think it's possible next week with another lousy effort you mm. could see Tua. But I think we're talking more midseason than anything else. I don't. Yeah.
0: They play the Jets on November 15th. That was the date I circled. That, that was the kind, was five weeks from now. It gives him another five, you know, month basically. That was the date. I was like, if, I, if we don't see him by then, I'd be surprised.
1: Smitty, tremendous stuff, my brother. Good luck on Sunday. Good luck to the Yankees on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I know we're not going to be playing game five, at least I'm not. But that future to win the American League pennant in the World Series, want to keep that baby alive. <laughs> Let's do it, JJ. Good luck, guys. Good stuff, Jared Smith over at Sports Grid.